0: and welcome to Sawbones, Merrill Guy Misguided Medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Well said, triumphantly, inspirationally, dare I say, and I am on the road to recovery after last week's uh, infirmment. A common cold, perhaps. Maybe something more
1: serious. Cold. It was a cold. The doctors it was cold. aren't quite sure. No, it was a cold. Everybody had a cold. We were on tour, and I was in a hotel room in which... Everyone it seemed was coughing.
0: Yeah, but me. We were really passing it around. It was rough.
1: So much coughing, nonstop coughing, all day, all night, just mm. lots and lots of coughing.
0: It uh, Seems to have really got on your nerves, Sid.
1: Oh no, I just i I just hated to hear you all so sick. Uh huh. It was uh, my emotional my it worried the me. Part, you're
0: saying the part of you that is in all human beings that worries about sick people. That you're related to was active. Yes, the neurons of that Those, part of your that brain. that part
1: of my brain.
0: The sick sympathy for your family mm-hmm. members. That Those everybody has. Those synapses
1: were firing nonstop. Yeah. No, it's just you all coughed a lot. I love you. I'm glad you're all fine now. Uh, I wish you hadn't coughed so much. <laughs>
0: well, sorry. I guess I, it, that seems insufficient at this point, but mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. sorry.
1: No, it's fine. Really, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, I couldn't help but notice that none of you uh, attempted to to stop your cough with any cough drops.
0: Yeah, which is unusual for me. I usually, you know what? Um, I just wanted to get, get it all out. Get oh, out. okay. Uh,
1: not hold the coughs in.
0: No, not hold the coughs in. I needed the bad things to come out. And I wanted the coughs to be gone. So I mm-hmm. just let them go. Because if you hold them in, that's like a set number of coughs that are stored within you. Okay. Uh, no. So I didn't want to hold them back. I just like coughed. I went for it, that, which is unusual for me. A lot of times I'll go with a nice Ricola. That can mm-hmm. be nice.
1: You didn't say it the way in the... Ricola! There we go. There we go. I... Uh... It seems like there's a lot of misinformation about coughs that you're spreading right now. And that is concerning because I wasn't going to do an episode about coughs per se. Mm. This is just focusing on cough drops.
0: <coughs> thank you. See, you I keep saying
1: cough and it's making my, mm-hmm. like, the, like when somebody yawns and it's That's contagious. Not how that not how that works. But thank you to AJ and Hope and Gambit for uh, recommending this topic because there's an interesting history. Cough drops. There, there's a, it's a, it's a story.
0: This is something where you and I are sort of equally matched because in middle school, Tommy Red and I did a project about which cough drop works the best.
1: So mm.
0: that's. Are you gonna? I'm going in with some of my own research. When would you like to discuss your in, methods? In, independent study. Yeah. Well, and yes, your, my method your, was your findings, I was I was sick. Results. Which conclusions. Kept me, it, I was sick, which kept me from working on my. Science fair project until uh-huh. quite close to the science fair.
1: Uh-huh. It's, it's going to be an abstract. That and then I started
0: testing different cough drops that we had around the house to see which one made me feel best one after the other. And then I just kind of wrote that down.
1: So your in was
0: just in me
1: <laughs> one
0: Justin me. I'm the in.
1: That was a good pun. Your in was one
0: number one. Yeah. One, six, just one. one I have two nostrils is that anything
1: this was a bad study oh uh, well I love you I don't even know nobody that I need wants to put the
0: money into cough drop research <laughs> so I have to do my own studies
1: there isn't a lot of cough drop research that is true but uh do I even need to know I don't even think it matters what the result was all I remember is the we came
0: to the decision that Ludens is basically just rock candy it's just hard candy mm-hmm. But that's about it.
1: The p value on this study is not impressive. Se, uh, I don't well, think. I don't think that this is gonna. The one with the numbing agent the Confidence works good interval
0: for sore throat.
1: Yeah, sepical.
0: Sepical. Yeah.
1: Okay. Which is so, different from
0: what samurais do if they're disgraced by having a cold, which is sepaku. So they, <laughs> it's different.
1: So let's talk about cough drops or throat lozenges, if you prefer. Yes. Either way, uh, they are regarded as medicine. Why? Pretty much in the U.S. uh, and and not just in the U.S. other places. But it's funny because if you go into the history of cough drops, there are places where they're still kind of seen as just like candy, just like candy you get to eat when you're sick. Um, And that's probably due to their origins. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, obviously, people have been making things for like sore throats and coughs and cold symptoms since people have been making fake medicine, which is the beginning of time. I know the beginning used of used
0: rock candy because that's what it said on the box of rock candy that you buy at the Cracker Barrel. Mm-hmm. It would say this is like an old timey sore throat remedy. Sure.
1: Well, and I mean, and basically that's how it started. I'm not really going to get into the ancient history of cough drops. The Egyptians definitely made something with honey and herbs and it would be kind of similar to what we'd think of as a lozenge and certainly other ancient civilizations did as well. But I really want to talk about the history of the branded cough drops we know today. Okay. How did we end up with what we think of as medicine for cough? But maybe isn't?
0: Okay, I'm on I'm on pins and needles.
1: So, so this story starts, as most good stories do, with a guy named Sly Hawkins.
0: Ooh, I can already tell this guy's going to be a smooth operator. Good
1: name, right? Very good, Sly Hawkins. Sly
0: Hawkins.
1: There's not. We don't know a lot about Sly. I mean, we're going to make a lot of assumptions about Sly on this podcast, probably completely on his name. Yes, Uh, we. Different accounts call him a traveling salesman. Perhaps a journeyman, mm. a peddler, a street vendor, perhaps just a broke, hungry guy. It's hard to say. You could be, I think, all those things, right? He, it's, it's, I, you know what? His name was Sly. I bet he could encompass all things, mm. these and more. That's true. Sly Hawkins. Uh, one way or another, legend has it. Well, this is not legend. I mean, it's one of those stories that wrote down. It's it's definitely based in truth. It's probably been embellished over time. Okay. But there is there was a guy named Sly Hawkins who definitely, in 1852, walked into James Smith's ice cream shop slash restaurant. I've heard accounts it's an ice cream shop, it's a restaurant. Any, either way, James Smith was a guy who sold food, and Sly Hawkins was a guy who needed some. Food. Food, but he had no cash. So he walked in and he said, hey, listen, I'm really hungry I don't have any money, but what I do have is a recipe for cough candy. It's really good cough candy. You can make it here and sell it, and I bet you'll make a bunch of money if you'll just give me some food. That is the
0: wildest pitch. I So anyway, sharks, that's my <laughs> pitch. I'll give you my recipe for cough candy if you give me some food. Kevin, I can see you're unconvinced. <laughs> we can do a licensing deal with my recipe for cough candy in exchange for food.
1: Uh, I, So anyway, apparently Smith bought into it. I don't think Mr. Wonderful would, but Smith did. And he said, "I okay. You have to at that point. It's so wild. What do you have to lose? Uh, it's like a magic beans kind of thing, sure. isn't it? Like, okay, I I'll mean, make have, up your... I have some food. Let's see this magic cough drop. So he gave him some food and he went and uh, mixed up in his kitchen a batch of these... Cough candies, and he named his new candy after he had two boys, William and Andrew, and so he called it Smith Brothers Cough Drops after his two boys. And he uh, he basically made these little; they look like little hard candies. And he put them in glass jars on like the counter and in the windows of the store. You can imagine. That's like a very attractive old school you know, those jars. Sparkling candies in the sunlight.
0: They've all fused into one gigantic cough candy.
1: You know. Oh, don't see, don't say that. Because what I was env- envisioning is that that sound they make, if they're made well enough that they don't stick together, uh, you know, like the as scoop they, goes in and they and, yeah. click and clatter in there. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. I love that. And then they pour it into the little paper bag. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's so appetizing. Like, Which is exactly what they would do. Pour them into little paper envelopes and sell like them. What, uh,
0: the doctor kept his jelly babies in. You know?
1: Yep. and uh, And Smith Brothers Cough Drops did well for about 20 years like that. And uh, as the as the brothers, William and Andrew, grew older, they aided in the family business and helped with new recipes and flavors and whatnot. But it, it stayed for a long time just like that, glass jars of little pieces of candy that you could... I mean, they were candy, clearly. You could use them for a cough as well, but they were candy. Uh, but as they grew older, the brothers had bigger plans. They thought, you know what? Uh, These candies have a lot of potential. People really seem to like them. They they buy them a lot. And also, I feel like we might lose an opportunity if we don't start packaging them. Because a a glass jar with hard candies is pretty easy to knock off, right? Sure, right. It's pretty easy to replicate. And so a lot of other drugstores started to do the same thing with whether or not they knew the recipe didn't really matter. They just Just made some hard candy. And they would call it sort of things like smith brothers like schmidt brothers
0: smith smith
1: (laughs) there were the uh, Smythe sisters
0: yeah
1: uh there were just other smith brothers they're just people just just like different they just found different smith brothers (laughs) straight up knockoff here's some smith brothers candy whatever and so they thought you know what we need to we need to do a better job of selling this by packaging it and patenting it and marketing it as a unique thing that you can't get at any old drugstore. Mm-hmm. So they started packaging them in these little cardboard boxes that had the brothers pictures on it. And you may have seen this picture. It's really easy if you if you Google Smith Brothers cough drops, but you may have seen it. It's two guys heads facing each other and they both have long beards. You may yeah. have seen this box. Yeah, before. that
0: sounds familiar. Yeah,
1: it became pretty famous. Because not only was it a very like well known and unique box, I mean two guys with long flowing beards facing each other uh, on the box, but it, they were they were very protective of this trademark, and so it became almost comical how much they would go after anybody who tried to copy.
0: I mean, when your thing's called Smith Brothers, you you really <laughs> do have to draw quite the line in the sand. I'm assuming.
1: So, by 1877, they'd released this box, this package with the two brothers facing each other. And they actually put trademark on the box and they put trade underneath uh, William's head and mark underneath Andrew's head. So, if you look at their heads facing each other, it, and it has all like the print in the middle Smith Brothers, blah, blah. blah and then under their heads are the words trademark. Okay. Uh-huh. But because of the way it was pictured, it led to people calling the brothers Trade and Mark. <laughs> really? Yeah, which is kind of a I don't know. In the world of nicknames, Trade on its own is, I guess, okay.
0: Trade? Yeah, I can see that. This is my son's Sp- uh, <laughs> sprained.
1: <laughs> this is Trade, but Mark is a nickname, is a name.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can see how that that is probably the source of the confusion. I would guess it's just a name, just a regular Mark.
1: What's your name? Well, my name is Andrew, but everyone calls me Mark. Was well, no. that your middle name? Nope. No. It's
0: anyway. My, it's but, my under
1: name. And they were known as this for even long after they weren't running the company. They had died. They had passed on to other you know people in the family. It, they were still kind of known as trade and mark by people who bought the candies and like used them. They would talk about the brothers trade and mark because hmm. they, they look that way. Um but either way, it was a good idea. All this stuff with the packaging, because the Smith Brothers cough drops became the first really dominant cough drop in the U.S. and maybe the first cough drop. I mean, it depends on how you you know everybody was making.
0: Sure, right? Like you said, the Egyptians and everybody else.
1: But but the one that was most well known and the one we can trace back pretty early and, and had a big presence in the U.S. was Smith Brothers cough drops. Did you still get them? Uh, they're very hard to find. Mm. Yes. There. I, I'm going to get into a little bit more I of the history rough, of the company.
0: I bet that's a, a rough recipe. I bet that'll really put a little the, <laughs> spring in your step.
1: The original recipe, by the way, was probably just sugar. Oh, okay. So I mean, it's not it was, like intense fisherman's friend level. No. Nah, I mean, originally, it, and I say that because there is a moment we'll get to where like they actually do add menthol to them. So the original ones were probably just Hard candies, hard candy, maybe yeah. something herbal, maybe something like that, but but more just on the line with hard candies. Now, of course, as they became successful, there were more competitors. Right, as people saw that this cough drop thing is really taking off. Right, we got to get our own. And instead of just knocking it off, other companies decided, you know what, we're just going to have our own brand. This and, seemed and wildly
0: easy. We're yes. just going to make our own kind. We're
1: going to make our own thing. Uh, one such competitor was William Henry Luden. Of Luden's fame? There you go. You're going to recognize these names. It's it's the patent medicine days. You name your medicine after yourself. Right. If I made a medicine in those days, it would be called Sydney's. Sydney's. Sydney's own. Sydney's vegetable compound. With Now with cocaine. <laughs> no, no, mm, no. Just sugar. Just candy and sugar. And vegetables, one would hope. Uh, his candy factory, uh, Luden had a candy factory at first, of course. All, all these people did pretty much. And it started in his family's kitchen in Redding, Pennsylvania. And he was originally making, like, because of the Pennsylvania Dutch community, he was making, like, some traditional German type candies and things and selling them, a lot of um, chocolates and whatnot. And uh, he thought with this new cough drop market that he could put an interesting spin on it. He saw an opportunity. Uh, menthol was already a popular cold medicine mm-hmm. uh, by the late 1800s. And a lot of people would just carry around a bottle of it when they were sick. Whoa. When they had a cold or something. I know. That's intense. And that it is. It's intense. And you have to carry a, like a vial of liquid with you everywhere you go. And so he, in theory, worked with a pharmacist, although... Everybody worked with a pharmacist Wink. when they made these medicines yeah. or a doctor or somebody. And uh, he started adding menthol to hard candies. Um, he also distinguished his a little bit by adding some honey and some licorice to give them a slightly different flavor. And and honey, as we've talked about on the show before, has been associated with like health and medicine for a long time. Uh, and in addition, he made him kind of yellow. And most cough candies, cough drops at the time were red. So these were all just distinguishing factors. So he started selling these Luden's menthol cough drops, five cents a pack, in 1881. And uh, he helped boost the sales by actually going around to railroad workers and giving them out for free. So kind of like viral marketing.
0: I just looked this up. I didn't realize that Luden's did. Whenever I think Luden's, I always think of the wild cherry flavor, Mm -hmm. which are not not mentholated. And I, that's what I always think of when I think of Ludens, but I guess that they've got uh, some some mentholated kinds too.
1: If you get into the cough drops, I mean, that's what you'll find within brands. There's a lot of variety of like the ones that have some sort of medicinal substance in them. And then they have other flavors and like-
0: Halls gets buck wild. that
1: don't have anything in
0: Halls them. Halls is like hard outside and then a gooey center and is loaded with- CBD oil and tastes like banana, mango. It's wild. They got a lot, ton of different varieties.
1: It's funny you should mention Halls. Oh, okay. because around the same time that Luden was moving out of his out of his family Parents kitchen house. and opening his own factory, so that he could make keep making, in addition to his uh, Luden's menthol cough drops, which were becoming very popular, in which he was selling a lot of, he was still making like candy and chocolate and marshmallows and all that kind of stuff. So he had this whole Luden's candy factory where he was also making cough drops. At the same time that was happening over in the UK, there's another pair of candy-making brothers who took The notice. Mario Brothers. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Hall Brothers, Thomas and Norman, who had been running the Halls Brothers Company since 1893, initially making jam, And then expanding into like some caramels and some other candies. But by the 1920s, with cough drops being very popular in the U.S. and with Luden doing the menthol thing. And the Smith brothers by now had added menthol to their product. And they got wind of all this. And by 1927, Halls also introduced their own flavored cough drop. This one also had menthol, had eucalyptus in it. Mentholiptus, all oh, right, Mentholi- yeah, yep, mm-hmm. uh, and they were very popular in the UK. And by 1950, they had actually made their way to the US and were and were kind of taking over the US market. Even the the Halls cough drops became so popular, and there were issues with reasons that the Smith Brothers brand was declining and things. But, um, but by the 1950s, Halls was extremely popular in the US. And also, do you remember one time when Jeff Gold- Goldblum apparently choked on a Halls on television? No. I, didn't in, know this was the thing. I don't know. It was like a side note. One of the articles I was reading. I, he's okay though, so don't worry about Jeff Goldblum. I I did
0: not know that, that happened to Jeff Goldblum. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to hear that he's all right. All right, Sid. So you ready to head to the billing department? I, that's right. I'm taking control. I did a research project. I'm just as much an expert as you are. I'm taking us to the billing department. Let's go. Get in the sidecar. We're taking my motorcycle that I have.
1: Let's go. <laughs> Vroom. Again, I already said let's go. We just have to go there.
0: You do? Yeah. Oh, I do too. Oh, what <laughs> happened? I, I almost choked on my Halls cough drop. <laughs>
1: right, there it is. This I'm is the sorry. weirdest interview. The medicines, the medicines that for the mouth.
0: We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner.
1: Are you ready to continue our tour of modern yes. cough drop brands? Yes. We've left the
0: Halls Hall. Yes. And now we're moving on to, well, something else. I don't know.
1: Uh, so, like I said, as as time wore on in the, in the early to mid-1900s, more and more companies wanted to get in on this action. And they were kind of all copying off of each other with like first, it was just candy, and and I mean, mainly sugar was the thought that sugar soothes your throat, and so that's good for you. And then the menthol was thrown in there, and then uh, around the same time, a Swiss company was founded by uh, Emil Wilhelm Riechtrick. Emil? (laughs) Emil. 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 That's my dad's (laughs) middle
0: name, Sydney. You should know how to pronounce it. Well,
1: I don't know. Maybe it's pronounced differently.
0: Okay. It's Emil. Go ahead. I didn't
1: mean to say that. Emil. I'm pretty
0: sure you're right. I'm pretty sure it's (laughs) Emil.
1: Email email <laughs> now you have to say email
0: <laughs> Wilhelm L.
1: Email Richterick. Is Just to commit to email. That's and Daniel Ralph Senior established their own company. Uh can you just read that for me?
0: Comfassir Fabric Richterick and Co.
1: Laufen. Laufen. Good. After the purchase of a small bakery in Laufen. And again, it started out as a candy making business, right? They bought this bakery and they were going to make candies from there. through line. Not a lot of these start with
0: doctors. No,
1: no, they don't. And uh, one of the sweets that they made at their their company was um, using a lot of herbs. Apparently, herbs are a big thing there. Mm. It's a big thing in Switzerland. They like their herbs. Uh, They like growing them take great pride in the variety of herbs and how wonderfully lush their herbal fields are and all the different things they can do. And so uh, he kind of caught on to that trend by taking a bunch of local herbs, maybe just because they looked pretty or people like to use them a lot. He heard the names. It's not really clear that they were chosen with specific medicinal value in mind. But he took 13 different herbs and put them into a hard candy, into like a little... A little sweet. And uh, a lot of people would buy these and actually dissolve them in hot water to make like a, an herbal tea. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you can imagine. I mean, you got like the sugar in there and then you've got all the herbs. I mean. Sure, yeah. Yeah. It'd be pretty good. So uh, he started making these. They were pretty popular. And they actually started marketing them under an abbreviation of the name of the company, Oh,
0: instead of Richterich and Coloffin, it was Ricola.
1: Ricola. And this is when Ricola became popular. By the 60s, they officially changed the name of the company to Ricola. And it was known for these herbal cough drops. They were also one of the first to kind of like pioneer a sugar-free cough drop. Hmm. That was a big deal um, because especially like by the 80s, the idea that sugar is bad for you or too much sugar is bad for you that we should be concerned at all about sugar. And so they, they started making some sugar-free as well. But um, the herbs were the big thing that set Ricola apart. And even now, because obviously Ricola is still around, you can visit the Ricola gardens. They're, they're like show gardens in Switzerland. They have... Um, Five different gardens that you can go to, where they grow all the herbs that they use in Ricola. Now, they're not the herbs that they actually put in the candy; those are somewhere else. They and they use locally grown herbs, but these are just for show, and you can go look and see all the herbs. Wow, that is! I bet qu- it smells and I that bet is it's a delight to the senses.
0: Quite a first date, <laughs> sweetie. I'm taking you to the garden where they grow the herbs for Ricola cough drops. Well. Not the actual garden that they <laughs> grow the herbs for the ricola cough drops, but a reasonable simulacra of the. Wait, where are you going? Oh, I'm look, sorry, because it sounded so unfathomably dull. Look, look at the
1: pictures. Just look at them online sometime. They're it's gorgeous. I it shan't looks absolutely gorgeous. So,
0: Sid, I just want to clarify now. You think that a good use of my time as a father <laughs> to and husband to you and podcaster, a good use of my time is to look at pictures of the gardens where they grow Ricola herbs. No, wait, not the actual gardens, but pictures of a reasonable simulacra of the gardens where they grow Ricola herbs.
1: I mean, you were watching the movie Spanglish the other day, so I feel like this is a better use of your time <laughs> that than was that.
0: For, that was for blank check. I had to watch all the James L. Brooke movies. I don't
1: want to talk about it. Okay. Uh, now they only use 10 herbs in their drops. And it's actually, if you've noticed, they're on the package. If you think about the Ricola bag, I don't know, yeah, if, it, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it occurs to you right away when you look at it. At least it didn't to me. Like, oh, this is what's in it. Which is kind of nice. Yeah. You know, they're just pictures. They're pretty. That way
0: you can make your own at home. <laughs>
1: Good luck. It's a it's a closely guarded recipe. Okay, it's quite secret. I mean, here are all the ingredients, but still, how to put them together—that's the key. Uh, there were and one obviously of them is made up. <laughs> there were obviously smaller brands um, that have that were growing during this time period, and some of them that may be outdated. It's hard. Like you go into the stories, you can read the stories of every cough drop. That's how you know it's a patent medicine. Most medicines are like we needed to make a medicine, and so we. Spent a bunch of money in a lab until we made a medicine for something. The stories behind patent medicines are always like so <laughs> a wandering, traveling salesman came into my restaurant right. and traded me a recipe. There are always stories like this. So if you look at some of the smaller brands have some of these stories as well, and some of them claim to have been around a little bit longer than Smith Brothers and to call into question who was first. But um, Fisherman's Friend is one of those.
0: Yeah, those are those are the strong ones. Those will mess you up.
1: Yes. And they were created by a pharmacist, James Lofthouse. Uh, it was originally a liquid in 1865. And then at some point after that, they were transitioned into lozenges. So I'm A su- lot of these came from like cough syrups.
0: I'm assuming you didn't start off calling them Fisherman's Friend. That would have been a wild pull. To they be were. Like, These are for fishermen. I made them for you. They fishermen. Were,
1: Well, they were made for fishermen. No, they weren't initially. It was the fishermen themselves. So, supposedly, the story goes that the fishermen started calling them friends. Oh, okay. Do you have any friends? And can I have some friends? Do you have any extra friends? And anyway, they, that's. Oh, that's sweet. That's why they started calling like them that. that. Uh, apparently used by Margaret Thatcher, famously. All right. Yes, Fisherman's friends. Uh, There's also, I love, man, I love these British lozenges. Victory V lozenges. Have you ever seen these? No. It's a killer package. Oh, yeah? Uh, They're a British licorice lozenge that have been made since the mid-1800s by Dr. Edward Smith. The original formulation that Dr. Smith came up with Uh, Again, it it probably started as some sort of syrup and then became a lozenge, but the original formulation wasn't just for cough, and we know this because it contained licorice, ether, and chloroform. Dang. So intense, I would say, an intense lozenge used for whatever ailed you, whatever you didn't want to be awake for. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you could use it for eventually he did start targeting them to coughs they were called a you know a victory v cough lozenge um uh and today they don't have chloroform and ether in them huge in case you're in case you're curious in so case you were worried what's the point? um it, you can some of these you can find like it's funny i was looking to see like could i get those victory v lozenges i can they're very expensive i think here i imagine they wouldn't be in the uk but like uh, here if I'm trying to buy them, it's like this one was like thirty three dollars for fifteen of them or something, which Dang. seems excessive. i'm yes. not I'm not gonna get that. But as I was looking, I was looking at the um the reviews. And this is my favorite. This Amazon review of Victory V lozenges. The cost is like chemotherapy. Anyone who would spend this kind of money on such an over-the-counter medicine should should see a witch doctor if they haven't already. I, I can hire two people to breathe for me at half the price. <laughs> wow. Well, there are
0: so many questions I have. <laughs> that, that person is uh, has a lot of free time, I feel like. Right? And they
1: also can hire people to breathe for them, which seems flawed yeah let me know medically flawed uh in the 30s we got Sucrets. Vicks came out with their cough drops there was also a brand called frog in your throat you Mm. can find the packages for this all over the the, the very popular images like that you can find but as far as like finding the lozenges probably not i did like their tagline the frog in your throat said innocent and immediate relief innocent and immediate refreshment for your throat Mm. innocent uh, those were released in 1921, and they only were sugar. They're just candy, okay. nothing in them, nothing, nothing that you know. And all the while, the Smith Brothers were trying to compete with all this. They added vitamin A in the 50s as just like another stab at like, is this anything? Is this something? Do you like this? Maybe this is healthier. Do you need this? <laughs> the company traded ownership multiple times, and by the 70s, like they lost the branding, and then eventually they just kind of fell off the shelves. Uh, yeah, in 2014. It was, the, the company was purchased by, like, a U.K.-based company to bring production back in this Chicago-based factory. And I found these articles about, like, they're going to bring back this candy or well, this cough drop candy. And everybody was very excited. They were going to use the old school Smith Brothers brand uh-huh. with the two heads on it, except they were giving them, like, a hipster makeover. Great. I mean the long beards. Of course. It's yes. perfect, right? They so they good. they look like hipsters. And so they brought back the three original flavors, cherry, honey lemon and warm apple pie, and they just didn't catch on. It just underperformed. And so now they're almost impossible to find again, even though they they were on the market as recently as like 2017. They're really hard to find. A bummer. Um, there are still. I say it's a bummer. It doesn't actually matter. No, it doesn't.
0: <laughs> just different cough drops.
1: There's just a lot of cough drops is the thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've, I've covered some of the major ones, but obviously there are There's endless more. numbers of cough drops. Um, here in the U.S., again, stuff like, especially I always think of the Halls commercials, mm-hmm. the Halls of Medicine that were made out of those bricks yeah, yeah, of Halls. Yeah. And they used to say in their commercials, Halls is real medicine.
0: Which is something real medicine often has to say <laughs> out loud.
1: Which is interesting when apparently there are places where halls are eaten as candy. Mm-hmm. I assume these are places where they've never heard of chocolate <laughs> or real candy.
0: Yeah, no real candy there.
1: So is it? That's the question then. Candy? At the end yes. of all this, is it candy? Sounds like yes. Or is it medicine?
0: I mean, it's not medicine because it doesn't treat anything, right?
1: They don't have a lot of evidence behind them. They were made as candy, right? Like the the nobody made these with the intention that they were actually going to fix something at first. There were definitely being made in home kitchens, lozenges with honey and things that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, back before you would get your medicine from a doctor and you made your medicine at home, you know, so they were based on like observation. This seems to help with a cough. This seems to soothe a sore throat, that kind of thing. But there was no study that said this was the way to do it. Um, menthol, which is in a lot of cough drops, not all, as you said, but is in a lot, has been shown in some studies, small studies, to increase your cough threshold. And what they do to figure that out is they like they have a group of people that get some menthol and they have a group of people who don't get any menthol. And then they challenge them both with something that should trigger a cough. Like I think it's like capsaicin inhaled, like chili P- chili pepper—you have to inhale, and that should mm-hmm. make you cough. And what they say is that if you have menthol beforehand, it will take more of that to make you cough than if you don't. Oh, huh, okay. Other studies have not shown that.
0: <laughs> oh well, all right. So made much progress,
1: and they're all small, so it's inconsistent. So it's hard to say. Does it help? Maybe, or maybe it doesn't. Um, it does make you feel like your airways are more open. This is interesting. This is the, and we've talked about vapo rub mm-hmm. a little bit before. You get the sensation that you've opened up your airways subjectively, meaning that objectively you have not have not. But people say they feel better. And I mean, if you're just riding out a cold, that doesn't seem necessarily dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, They uh, do seem more helpful than placebo in soothing a sore throat. So if we're not focused so much on the cough part of the cough drop, but like the throat lozenge part of it, Mm -hmm. um, if they use something like benzocaine, which is what's in sepacol, they they do seem to, to somewhat numb and soothe your throat. Um, and there are other ones that do that. And sucrose itself has been shown to do that a little bit. So just the sugar could be... Right. Soothing and numbing your throat. And maybe that a a soothed, less irritated throat, you wouldn't cough as much. Maybe. Maybe. Again, these are all very small studies, and this is, is, I mean, it suggests this. And I think it's easy to say it. Something that's a topical anesthetic is going to numb your throat a little bit. Right. Sure. But are there risks? I don't know. Well, it's a question you should ask.
0: Okay. Are there risks?
1: I mean, if they're medicine, you got to know the risks. Okay. So... When it comes to benzocaine, there is a very rare risk. And when I say very rare, I mean very, very rare. So I, I don't want to freak everybody out about using cough drops. But there is a risk of something called uh, methemoglobinemia. And it affects the way that hemoglobin binds oxygen and delivers it to your cells. Mm-hmm. And if you have this reaction to things like benzocaine and lidocaine and, and those kinds of topical anesthetics, it can be very bad. But it's extremely rare. In one study, they found it to be a prevalence of like 0.06 percent. Probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. But it is a reason to know that like if you have ever had that reaction, I, I mean, there's got to be somebody out there and you want to use a cough drop that has that in it. Please don't like check the ingredients okay. because some of them do have these topical anesthetics. And so they're, they're not advised for like very young children or people who are sick or have, you know, immunocompromised, that kind of thing. Um, As for the menthol, there was a lot of concern that could, because menthol, if you take enough of it, can be toxic. So there was concern if we have menthol and cough drops and people are treating them like candy and not medicine, is that dangerous, right? Could you take too much menthol? Well, the dose you would need to take to hurt yourself with menthol is a thousand milligrams per kilogram. Okay. The average cough drop is between three and 10 milligrams of menthol.
0: So that'd be a lot.
1: So, if you, so let's say I weigh 65 kilos, Mm -hmm. and even if we assume I'm using the strongest ones, the 10 milligram menthol drops. I would need to eat about six thousand five hundred cough drops a day to OD on menthol. Nobody's even getting close to that, Sid. So, I mean, it's a reason that they've found like cases of people who literally ate two bags of cough drops a day for like twenty years and and got sick. Right? Oh no, they're I mean, oh, just that much. Yeah, but I, I. And so, I would say, like, if it if it does have a medicinal property, I wouldn't eat them nonstop. But using them occasionally, you're not going to overdose on menthol. Um, Now, there was a study just last year that came out that suggested that perhaps if you use mentholated cough drops too much, you'll actually increase your cough. Oh, no. Like a rebound effect. And so... What a ripoff. They fixed a bunch of people's coughs by having them stop using cough drops. Oh, no. I don't know. It was just one study. It was just last year, but... It's a reason that if you're using cough drops nonstop and you still seem to have to use them,
0: maybe like take a it
1: take a cough drop vacation, see yeah. what happens. Um, and then, of course, the ones with sugar have sugar. It's and not if, great. if there's a reason you shouldn't be eating a lot of sugar, which I mean, none of us should be eating a lot of sugar. Sure. But I mean, if you're a diabetic, you know that that's something to check. They definitely have sugar. Um, and of course, there are sugar free ones, but that comes with their own set of issues. Diarrhea. Right.
0: Folks, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, we've ended this episode as we do all episodes of Salt Bones, talking about diarrhea. Uh, uh, I want to thank the taxpayers for the use of our song medicines as the intro and outro of our program.
1: I meant to ask you, though, Justin. Yeah. Do you think that uh, William Goldman was right?
0: What was he that he said exactly about cough drops and the Princess right?
1: Yeah. Uh... <laughs> True love is the best thing in the world, except for cough drops.
0: Yeah, that's only in the book, right?
1: That's only in the book. There's that whole thing about mutton lettuce tomato sandwiches. Oh God! Just Billy Crystal
0: headed to the borscht belt on that one. No, thank you, Billy. Let's just keep it to the books, okay, bud? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're I'm not they're pretty good. I would say not better than love, but good stuff.
1: I've never been a huge fan of cough drops, so I guess I'll take the true love.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Hey, we wrote a book. It's called The Solomon's Book. It's illustrated by Sydney's sister, Taylor Smurl, and you can buy it anywhere you buy books. If you want to do that, I think you'd like it. If you like the show, I think you'd like that. Um, I think that is going to do it for us, right?
1: Yes. That's I think so.
0: Yes. I think. Yeah. I believe so. Oh, we are going to be, if you're coming to see us uh, next month, that's in November. We're going to be in chicago on uh november 14th and minneapolis november 15th if you're going to be at one of those shows uh, tickets are sold out but if you have any ideas in the area uh let us know
1: yeah we always look for topics for sawbones that relate to the places we go
0: uh that is going to do it for us so until next time my name is Justin McElroy. i'm
1: sydney McElroy,
0: and as always don't drill a hole in your head Comedy and culture.
1: Artist owned.
0: Audience supported.
1: Hello, my name is Tusk Henderson and I am an outdoorsman. Are you looking for a new comedy podcast? This month's episode of Beef and Dairy Network podcast has as its guest the wonderful Nick Offerman playing the part of Tusk Henderson, adventurer and outdoorsman. Think about fitting yourself. A month's worth of provisions and a half-ton cow into a kayak. So if you've never listened to the show before, this might be a good place to start. I string a bowstring between her horn tips and I can fire a spear off the top of her head and uh, took in some very delicious cod. So if you're after a new comedy podcast, why not try the Beef and Dairy Network from Maximum Fun? Download it now. You flip a cow upside down, they make an excellent toboggan.